That is good. October 9th, 2003. I found it all when I got saved as a 17-year-old young man. Amen. Changed my life. Amen. And thankful for that. Thankful for God's working. And uh, man, it's been good. What they sang is really what it's all about. Yeah. And then uh, seeing the video, uh, had an opportunity um, that was taken from a missions conference at Southwest Baptist Church and helped make that video. And, and God touched my heart even making that video. We live in a world where two out of five people have never, never once heard, and never once heard the name and who Jesus Christ is. And if you know Jesus, that should do something in your heart. Because our God is so great, so amazing, that everyone ought to know Him. Amen. And so it, it, it's amazing. And, and I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for it. And uh, I hope that you're excited. And, and I, I want you to think about what we're going to be talking about. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And um, I'm really excited this. This is the reason why I'm so excited to be here, is you're here. You're here. And as you sit here, what I see out, yeah, I see, I see a lot of teenagers, but you know what I really see? I see in this room, if, if I could just sum it all up right here, I see this potential. Potential. Now, I'm not that old. I'm not as old as Bernie. Bernie's 74 years old. But I just recently turned 34, and so I think I'm still young. Am I... Am I Amen. Okay, okay, good, good. <laughs> good. Man, I was getting worried. Oh, there's some good Oreo remnants here. That's good in case I get hungry. And uh, in case any of the junior high boys get hungry, there's some Oreos up here afterwards, all right? Some of your youth pastors starved you to death. No, but I, what I see is this. I see potential. Because when I see you, yeah, I can see you. Some of you, you're in ninth grade, and some of you in eighth grade, seventh grade. And some of you seventh grade boys, you're weird. Come on, are there any 7th grade boys that are weird in here? All right, anyone want to call out the 7th grade boy in their group that's weird, all right? (laughs) Don't do it. Let's just, can we all agree, when you're in junior high, everyone's weird? All right, let's just, let's just put that to rest. Let's, let's not try to ignore it or deny it or lie about it. It's, that's just the reality, the fact. But what I see here is I see young people who God, listen to this, God wants to use your life to impact the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. I see people who you may not know your talents, your abilities, you may think that you have nothing to offer. I was talking to a young man here, I said, what what characteristics you got to offer? He's 14 years old, trying to get married someday. What do you have to offer some? Don't don't call him out. I, I I was looking this way. Don't call him out. But you may not have all the ability, all the talents, but I'm telling you what, hidden within every single one of you is this potential to be greatly used by God. Potential to be greatly used by God. Because this, your potential to be used of God is not really based upon your personality. Some of you say, I am shy, used of God, be a preacher of the gospel, be someone who would get in front of people. Well, guess what? It's not, your potential isn't limited to your personality. So you might be shy, or you might be nerdy, or you might be a dork, or you might be whatever the case, it's not based on your personality. It's not based upon your aptitude, how smart you are. Thank God for that, amen. Amen. Thank God for that. It's not based upon your level of skill, your abilities, and, and what you can offer to God. That, your potential is, is not based upon 
all of those things. Though God can use some of those God-gifted abilities. Amen? And God could use that. Amen? I, I see people that have ability. And you read about people need the Bible in their language. And some of you would be amazing at a language. And maybe God would, would put on your heart, if all you ever did with your life is gave 3.1 million people access to know the greatness of our God, you would have definitely spent your life very well. And maybe that's what God would have. But everyone has potential. Everyone in this room has potential to do great things for God. Literally, it's off the chart. But the thing about this is, potential does not do this. It does not, it does not guarantee a successful life. Every single one of you have tons of potential. But by the end of your life, that doesn't guarantee it. Because you see, potential is this. It's a possibility. Potential is something yet to be achieved. And every one of you in here, mainly because of this, you're young. You got, hopefully by the grace of God, many years in front of you. You have great potential. You're young. Most of your life is before you. Here's the reason why you have a lot of potential, is you're part of an awesome church. Whoever brought you today, whoever brought you here, you may think, man, I don't like my youth pastor, I don't like my youth director, what it, he's kind of strange. And no, 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 listen up. Thank God that someone cared enough to bring you here and to care about you, and that's why they love you, and I thank God for that. That someone do, and because you're in an awesome church, and you hear the word of God, and you're under the word of God, and you're around some of the most amazing Christians this world has to offer, and your pastor, and your youth director, and those workers, and hopefully by the grace of God, maybe in your parents, if, they, if they're walking with the Lord, you have awesome resources, and you have great potential because all of the influence you receive of the word of God. Amen. And then if you have this today, for most of you in here, you have great potential because if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you and the Spirit of God working your life day by day. And we are all in the construction process, in God's construction process, and we all need help, and we all fail, and we all falter, but the grace of God and the Spirit of God works in you, and God can greatly use your life. And you say, I, I got nothing to offer God. Well, if you got the Spirit of God in your life, He can work in such a way that He'll use your life in amazing ways. In amazing ways. And so you have that. I wanted today, I want to look at a familiar person, familiar biblical character, but probably one of the greatest examples of potential is a biblical character found in the book of Judges, and you may be familiar, and his name is this, Samson. Samson. Now, uh, I wasn't sure what slide we had on here, okay, so it just says one life, good. I want to make sure I know what you can see up there. But you may be sitting there and you say, another sermon about Samson. I've heard about a dozen sermons on Samson. Well, I've heard about three dozen. <laughs> now, wait before we say, I actually want to preach to you a section of Samson life that maybe many of you in you have never, ever heard of. You say, is this like outside the Bible? No, it's in the Bible. <laughs> but I want to preach to you because Samson life covers from Judges, and you can go ahead and turn your Bible there. It starts in Judges 13, and it goes through 16. And most of you have heard chapter 14, chapter 15, and chapter 16, but I want to preach to you Judges 13. And then there might be someone in here and say, I, I've never heard Samson. I've never heard that story. Perfect. Did you know you actually are an advantage here? If you've never heard about Samson, you are, you are an advantage. And what I need everyone else in here to do is this. You've heard the story over and over again, right? So when I say Samson, you know some details, and you know the end of the story. What I need you to do, okay, what I need you to do 
is pretend and act like you do not know the end of the story. Because when, you, when, when the person who first read this the very first time, they didn't know the end. That's right. And when you read a story, you have to read it as if you don't know the end because we read it over and over again. But you've got you to put yourself in the mindset that we don't know what's coming, all right? And so Judges chapter number 13. We can't really think about Samson's end of his life till we know about the beginning. Look with me. We're going to read here verse number 1 of chapter number 13. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. Just one reference. You've got to know this. Israel, over and over again in the book of Judges, is held hostage by other nations, and God would raise up men and sometimes a woman to do amazing things to free them from the oppression. All right? So Israel's oppressed. Most of the time, Israel would cry out and say, Oh God, we messed up. Help us. Here in Israel, there's no cry. Israel's okay with having another nation rule them, having other gods over them. But God is not okay with that. So God is going to do something. Verse number two, it says this, And there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For this child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines." And so the woman basically tells her husband all this happens. The husband, in verse number 8, Manoah basically asks, the, asks and prays, God, would you, would you send the angel back to tell me directly? And so that's basically then what takes place. God graciously answers, and the, the angel shows back up to Manoah's wife. Her, she runs and finds her husband. And basically, Manoah says in verse number 15 to the angel that pronounces this, this child's going to come, would you have a meal with us? And the angel basically then says to, to them in that passage of scripture, says to Manoah, no, I'm not going to have a meal to you, but why don't you make a sacrifice? And so Manoah does that and, and does what's been told, and a sacrifice is, is made there, and as the fat sacrifice is lit on fire, and the fire goes up, all of a sudden the angel just whoosh, goes right up with the fire, and goes back into the sky, and Manoah realizes, uh, this isn't just any other uh, person with me. This is God. This is the angel of the Lord. And God does amazing things. And then look in number verse number 24. It seems really insignificant, but I would actually say verse 24 and 25 really lead up and cultivate into really what's, what's the author's trying to get across in all these this section. He says this, it seems pretty simple, and the woman bare a son, and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Estol. God, would you help us today as we look at your word? May you help us all to focus in to get out what we need. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> so we see here in this account that basically we have two characters we're introduced. We're introduced to a guy named Manoah, and then we're introduced to his wife, who, who doesn't have a name. We don't know her name, though she's actually probably one of the most significant characters in this story. 
And so basically the angel Lord, as we read, the angel comes to, to, to her and comes to her and basically says this, and we can't pass over it here as actually before the angel even comes. The Bible tells us not many details about this woman, doesn't give us her age, doesn't give us much, but what the Bible does tell us about this woman is this. The Bible says she was, she was barren and, and bare not. And you say, okay, well, well, what's that? No, it's actually very significant. Here this is, and this man, this woman are married, and the Bible tells us this, that this woman has no children. She is not able to have children. She is not able to bear children. She will not have children. That's going to be outside of God's plan. It's just, it's just, it's just not going to happen. It's not physically possible for this woman to conceive and to have a child. And in their day and time, that would have been a big thing and been very important for them. But she's, she's just not going to have that opportunity. There's no way that she is going to have a child. That's what the Bible says. Except for the fact that this angel shows up. And the angel shows up and basically says to her, uh, you're going to bear a child. And she's thinking, uh, you sure? Because we've been trying to have kids. I'm barren. I mean, come on, the clock is ticked and it's way past uh, dinner time. There, there, there is no way. But the angel says, no, you're going to have a kid. But this isn't just going to be just not an ordinary kid. This is going to be a, a special child. In fact, he, he's going to be a, a, a Nazarite. And, and you'd have to know, we could go to Leviticus, but there is such, such thing as a, as a Nazarite vow. And people in Israel would, would take a Nazarite vow. Normally, a Nazarite vow was done voluntarily. They weren't required to do it, but someone would take a voluntary vow as a way to dedicate themselves to God, a way to show that, God, I'm very serious about you. I want to follow you. I want to be obedient to you. And so they would temporarily, for a limited time, not for a whole length of their life, but for a season of time, for a short time, they would take a voluntary vow to show their dedication to God. And that would have been common. She would have understood that. But the angel of the Lord says, no, this is going to be a special child. In fact, this child is so special, it is so significant, that this vow is not going to be voluntary. It's going to, I, I'm going to give a demand, I'm going to give a divine demand that from basically from the womb, this child will have a Nazarite vow. And this child will have a Nazarite vow, not for a, not for a week, not for a month, not for a year as would have been custom, as would have been normal, but no, this child is going to have the Nazarite vow for his entire life. And he's such a special child that even you, Manoah's wife, need to hold to this vow. Even you need to watch what you do. And basically, a Nazarite vow would be this. They would abstain from, from, from wine, from alcoholic drink, that they would not cut their hair, and that they would not be in contact with a dead thing, with an unclean thing. And so those were the three things, the three stipulations. And so the angel of the Lord disappears from this woman, and she, she's pretty much stunned by it because in her, her heart, no doubt, especially in their day and time, Bearing children was one of the most significant things they could do in life to continue on the family lineage. And so she's excited about this. And she, she goes and she tells her husband, Hey, this messenger, so this, this person that says, about, like, who's a man of God, almost sort of maybe like an angel. I'm not sure exactly who he was, but he said, We're going to have a child. And no doubt Manoah thought, Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay, you're a little bit crazy. And he prays and says, God, would you be gracious and would you, would you have the angel of the Lord show back up to me? And God in his grace intervenes and we read the part there. The angel comes back and, and comes back to the woman and she goes and finds Manoah and the angel tells Manoah, you're going to have a son and he's going to be a special son. He, he's not going to cut his hair and he's not going to touch unclean things and he can't have alcoholic beverage. This, this is going to be a special son. And then you read, and I talked about how ultimately uh, the sacrifice is made, and then the angel goes up, and Manoah realizes, this is God Almighty. God, 
God is doing something special here. This is amazing. This is, this is very, very unique what God is doing. And then the Bible says, and we can't just skip over it just real quick like we don't get it. But could you imagine, there they are, uh, they're going to have a child. And then for nine plus months, because we don't know how long that then the child was conceived and then when the child was born, but for nine plus months, this family must have thought, we're going to have a baby. We're going to have a baby. We're going to have a special child. The joy, the excitement that it is to be a parent, especially for them, because they thought, no way, we'll never have a kid. But we're going to have a kid! This is exciting. Could you see it? I mean, you may not be excited, but could you see how they would be excited? This is, this is a good thing. And they're excited and they're pumped for this. And this child is going to be a special son. And he's going to have a special future. And he's set by God for a special reason. And then the Bible says this in verse 24. And the woman bear a son, and they call his name Samson. And then look at it. It says this. And the child grew, grew and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move. See, God began to work in his life. And God gave Samson a heart for his people. And God began to give heart, uh, Samson a heart for his people that they were, they were being oppressed by the Philistines and gave him a heart to love his people and to love God. And the Spirit of God came upon him and was doing great things. And, and Samson had a lot of things. In fact, I would say to you, above all biblical characters, Maybe, I, I, I want to be completely dogmatic, but above all biblical characters, Samson, he had this. He had so much privilege. So much privilege. Listen to this. No other, no other judge in the book of Judges matches his potential. I mean, the next most major judge, his, his mother was a, was a harlot. The other one, his dad was a Baal worshiper. I mean, he, he's got potential. God's doing something here. God called this man before he was even born. He stirred him as a child. I mean, if you know anything about the rest of the book of Samson, he gave him absolute amazing powers. He was, he was given by God extraordinary powers, extraordinary gifts and strength and ability. He was given more attention than any other book. In fact, the book of Judges, no judge receives as much attention as Samson. And after you read chapter 13... And you see all that God is doing. Basically, this is, this is what you kind of get to when you read all of that, is this. Well, at the end of chapter 13, you might think like this. Well, I mean, Samson, I mean, how's he going to do? He, he was born, he's growing, and the question you might ask yourself is this. Will Samson succeed? How about this? Will this special child that God miraculously gave, will he deliver Israel? How about this? And if you know the story, this is where, you know, you can think about it, but also just, just think about this. Will the end of Samson's life be filled with joy and excitement like his birth was? Because would you, would you admit that, I mean, up until this point, you'd think, Samson... This is going to be a good thing. He's going to do great things for God. I wonder how the end of his life will be. Will there be as much excitement and joy and thrill? Well, obviously, for most of you in here, you know this. That Samson really basically did this. He squandered, he wasted, and he threw away his life. Let me just give you a summary of the next three chapters of his life. Because it looked like, he's going to do great things. 
But this is what he does. He's disrespectful to his parents. He's uncaring towards his God-given Nazarite call. He has no loyalty to his own people. Instead, he shows even some loyalty to the Philistines. He compromises his morals. He uses women for his own advantage. He's flippant with his tongue. His life in chapter 14 is driven by this, his lust and his appetite. What Samson wants is what Samson will do. I want what I want, and I'm going to get it. Chapter 15, Samson is self-centered, and it appears exciting at times, and it appears like he does amazing things, and he kills some people, and he's destructive, and he's got all these powers. But I'm telling you what, everything he does, he violates his God-given call for his own selfish purposes. Life is all about Samson. Chapter 16, he treats his call like it's a game and he plays with it. The Bible tells us that Samson's eyes are poked out. They're gouged out. He'll spend the rest of his life grinding grain. The game is over. And in Samson's life, instead of reaching his potential and reaching the fulfillment, Samson's life is an absolute, complete waste. Complete waste. No one had his most potential, and hardly anyone else did, is, did less than Samson did with his life. In essence, what, what really what we're saying here is this. Samson wasted his life by living for himself instead of living for God. Samson wasted his life for living for himself instead of living for God. But you probably realize we're not really here just to talk about Samson. We're here to talk about you. Because guess what? You have one life. God allowed you to be born. He allowed you to be in the family that you're in. He allowed you to be in the city that you're in, in the town that you're in, in the church that you're in. And he did all of that, and you have one life. And for most of you in here, by the grace of God and by the mercies of God, you have many years before you. You have great potential for God. The possibilities are really endless what could be done with the people in here. And you say, I don't know what God could do. I'm saying God can do great things with your life if you'll just simply say, God, use me. God, help me. But I'm afraid that too oftentimes is the case is there is a potential problem and as this. You may waste your potential when you spend it on yourself. I want you to write this down. I will waste my potential when I spend it on myself. I will waste my potential when I spend it on myself. Because really the same question could be asked of every single one of you. And maybe you're 15, maybe you're a senior and you're about ready to graduate in three or four months here. Wherever you're at, The question for all of you is this, will you succeed? Man, the day you were born was a happy day. I wasn't there for any of y'all's birth, but I can imagine it was a happy day. For some of you, okay, no, no, I won't go there. I'm just going to be nice. I'll be nice. Be nice. It was a happy day. Parents were excited. Things were going off. They might have sounded some nice little bells in the hospital where you were born. Another child is born. And there's been exciting times. And then there was that time when you first started crawling. 
and you were like the best crawler that's ever crawled before. There's only been a few billion people in the world, but you crawled like no one else has crawled before. And then when you started pulling up on things, and then that first time that your parents or whatever, whoever's with you, you, you looked in the mirror and you, and you saw yourself, and you were scared, for some of you. And there's that first time you took your first step, and then you fell down. The first time you ran. And then you made it to kindergarten. Yeah. Woo! And then you graduated kindergarten with honors. Yeah. <laughs> Valedictorian. Highest in my class. Straight A's. Wow. And your, mommy, your mom put your little certificate on the, on the refrigerator. I don't know. Maybe they didn't do that. My, my parents didn't do that. They're like, okay, great. You're good. All right, next year. I'm sure glad you're going to school and you're not with us all the time. But anyways, but, you know, it was exciting, and, and you made it along. But the reality is this. As you stand before, really, most of life is in front of you. Will you succeed? Will all the joy that has come by your life, and then, and then think about this, the day you got saved. Amen. The day you got saved and what God did to save you. Don't, don't ever get tired when you got saved. And God puts you on the road and puts you and changed your life completely. Don't, don't forget about that. And the question really is this, is at the end of your life, will there be as much joy and fulfillment? Will you ever really make a difference in this world? Did you know this? God created you to make a difference. Did you know God created you to impact this world for this? For the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And I'm afraid that too many times, if we're not careful, did you know this? If you just kind of float through life, if you just kind of, just kind of, whatever happens, happens. I mean, Belandia, I'm, I'm glad to be here, but just kind of whatever happens in my life, happens in my life, then you'll probably never reach the potential God has for you. Because you're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to make a choice. My question is this, will, will, will you ever be used of God to make an impact in someone's life? I hope it's said of you, because of your existence and because of your faithfulness Christ, that someone heard the gospel, not only just heard the gospel, but someone got saved because of you. Are you going to make a difference in this world? Are you going to impact your community? Are you going to impact your coworkers? Are you going to impact people around you for the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you just going to be content with kind of just, well, you know what? I found someone who would marry me. I had a job. I worked a job. We had some fun. We went on vacation, bought a house, got retired, and died. No, come on. I'm, I'm talking about like millions of people live their life that way. Millions of people live their life to simply, all they do is they have a job. They don't even really like their job. They don't even really like what they're doing. They marry someone. They don't really like who they married. By the way, it's better to be single than to wish you were single. Marry right. And they just kind of float through it, hate their job, hate their commute, don't like that. Try to find happiness in all kinds of things, whether it's a hobby, whether it's a vacation. They live their whole life, and really it's just like, okay. Well, man, I guess I'm saved. And praise, I hope heaven's better than this. This is really a, this is a downer. But you know how many Christians live their life that way? But I want to ask you, is that the type of life you're going to live? Is that the type of life that you really want? Is that the type of life you really want to look back at the end? And what I'm saying is this. You have the potential, if you'll choose to do so, to really impact this world for the Lord Jesus Christ. You can, you can be like your youth pastor. You say, I don't want to be like him. No, you don't have to be as nerdy as him. You don't have to be as ugly as him. You don't have to be as smelly as him. I don't know if they're that way or not. And I don't, I don't want to be like, I, I, I do not want to be like her. 
Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, do not want to be like her. But you know what they're doing? They're investing in people's lives. What they're doing is it has an eternal impact. They're changing people's lives. And you know what? God, you have so much potential. Some of you in here, God could use you to be a Christian school teacher. Some of you, if you, if you allow God to use you, God could use you to be a music minister. God could use you to be a pastor. God could use you in, in so many different ways. God could, you have so much potential. In fact, I believe in here in this room, many of you have the potential to be greatly used to impact this world for Christ as this. You ready? Oh, I'm using this mic. A missionary. You say, okay, that... that that's where I disagree with you. That's, that's where I just Because, I mean, honestly, I could never live, you might be somebody who said, I could never live in another country. I mean, like, do you know what they eat over there in those places? Do they even cook things? Mostly. Something's raw. Or you say, you know what? I, I, I kind of like America. I like my AC. I like my comfort. I like the ease. I know everything. I don't want to learn another language. I, I, could, I could never learn another language. I don't have natural skills. I don't have natural... No, what I'm saying is this. You in this room have potential to be greatly used of God to be a missionary. And you say, I don't have any of those things. Welcome to my world. Welcome... No, welcome to my world. I'm gonna, okay, I want to give you some of my testimony. I, I don't... I, it was not planned, but I think, I think this will be a help. When I was 17 years old, came from a broken home. We didn't go to church. Some I remember going to church as a Presbyterian church. They had like pipe organs, and big old massive choir robes, and it was weird stuff, man. It was weird. I don't really remember that. It's from a broken home. I didn't have really these eye-popping talents. I could play video games. Pretty, me- pretty, pretty much medio- mediocre player, you know. Because pretty much, that's most most people are. No, I'm the best gamer out there. Okay, great, that's great. Okay, I'm glad you're ranked 2,445,000 000 out of the world. You know at that game, but you know, all right. Anyways, don't don't get me started. No real iPod. Oh wait, 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 wait. Oh, I just remembered my claim to fame. The only thing I got going for me: graduating class. I won the class clown of my senior class. Awesome. That's my talent right there. <laughs> Tell you what, that's missionary quality work right there. No, no, no I, I, I had nothing going for me. In fact, I was in a toxic relationship with a young lady that was really all about my own pleasure. All my friends, um, yeah, I think all of my friends or most of my friends, all living for themselves. All living for themselves. And I, I remember, I, I, I can see it today, I can visualize it. Going into my dad's bedroom on the drawer next to, or his, his uh uh, like a, what do you call those, side? Nightstand, yeah, that's it. That's what those things are called. Nightstand. And I remember several times grabbing his revolver, thinking, I hate my life. And I, I never did it, obviously, I'm still here. But grabbing and thinking, what's this life all about? What's it all about? And I had popularity. I mean, I loved everyone at school, and people loved me, I think, or at least they acted like they loved me. 
But every time I went to bed at night, I knew there was something I was missing. Man, that was the life of the party. And, I, I didn't, and by the way, I didn't have to have alcohol or drugs to be the life of the party. I thought, I just, do it, I just do it in my right mind. I still have fun. I got fun without that stuff, man. It's great. <laughs> I actually saved a lot, of, a lot of heartache in my life, actually. But I was like, what, what's going on? But here, here's the deal. At 17, I came in contact with the gospel. 17 years old, hating my life, hating everything that's about it, just thinking, what, 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 is, what is this life about? And by the way, you can have a good life and think, what's life all about? Right. You know, it's not just the people on Skid Row. It's not just the people incarcerated that, that waste their life. There's people that live in, in million-dollar homes that they'll die and their life is a waste. And I came in contact with the gospel. And I heard about Jesus Christ. And God began to work in my life. And that's where I met and came in contact with my youth pastor, who was 74 years old. I'm not joking. 74 years old. And he would say, hey, John, how you doing? And he had, I mean, his hands were crippled from arthritis. And you'd shake it. You're like, you're like I don't want to hurt him. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yes, sir. And he's all excited. I'm, and you're like all ginger. Yeah. I don't even know how to shake that hand. But yeah. And I remember meeting there and I say, oh, God. Man, at first, I didn't even really know what. But I remember just thinking, God, help me, God. And God did. He gave me a loving pastor and a loving church. And I started going there. And I said, oh, God, I want to live for you. But I don't know what that looks like. And I obeyed my pastor's direction, and I went to Bible college after I'd been saved for nine months. Man, I learned a whole lot there. Man, I was rough, rough. And I was in Bible college, and I remember praying, Oh, God, I love my old life, but I, 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 I want to love you, but I also love what I love. and I love my old life. But you know what he gave me? He gave me godly friends. And he gave me mentors. And he gave me his word. He gave me his grace, and when I felt, I'd come back to God and say, oh, God, I messed up, but I want to live for you. Would you teach me to live for you? And slowly and surely, God began to do a work. What I'm saying to young people is, I didn't look like, as a 17-year-old, or as a person who stood up there and won the class clown award, they wouldn't even let me come up to the stage to accept it because they thought I was going to do something crazy. <laughs> I might have got kicked out of a couple basketball games earlier, so they were afraid of what I might do anyways. <laughs> But you didn't look at me and say, missionary, going to go take the gospel to the more people who have never heard about Jesus. You thought, whoa, we just hope this guy doesn't end up incarcerated. Because what I'm saying is when we serve a great God, his grace infuses and works in our life, and everyone in this room has great potential to be used by God. But really, really the crux of it is this, will you allow him? Will you allow him? You don't have to be much. You don't have to have much talent. You, you, you could be right now really saying, I, I relate to you, Brother John. That's how I feel about my life. That's how I feel about what's going on. You, you might feel exactly like that. And to you, I say, that's okay. Because God's grace is more than able to help you. But my question is this, will you use your potential? Like Samson, you're going to be tempted in several ways to throw away the potential you have for God. 
for the momentary pleasure of this life. You know what? Some of you in this room, either you're dealing with it right now or you will be, but you're going to be tempted to throw away all the potential of God using your life for the momentary enjoyment that a high could happen on some drugs. You have the potential that you could throw away your potential by getting in the wrong crowd because you think, oh man, alcohol, parties, that, that, that will be really having a fun time. That will really be satisfying. That will really be good. For some of you in here in this room right now, you're going to throw away your potential if you continue in the relationship that you're in. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I really don't know any of you. But I imagine this many people, some of you have a relationship. And that relationship is not primarily a means to glorify God and to grow in God, but it's to fulfill your own lusts and own passions. And I'm not saying that you intended it to be that way. You, you, just, you just got into one. It was enjoyable. I mean, come on. It was satisfying. And you just like it, but it's toxic for your spiritual life. I'm not saying you purposely say, oh, you know what, I'm going to mess my life. No one sets out and says, you know what, I'm going to waste my life away. How can I waste my life away today? No one does. But by their choices, they do. And for some of you, you may be in a toxic relationship with someone. Or some of you will be tempted. Maybe you should get older and you have opportunities. Or someone shows interest in you. <coughs> You'll be tempted to throw your life away. You'll be tempted to waste your potential seeking the momentary fulfillment in a sexual relationship over the lasting fulfillment of doing God's will. I don't mean to be unkind or anything like that, but we live in a society where this is prominent. And you'll waste your life away and can do great harm. Because if you just simply float through life, you'll end up like Samson. What I'm saying is this. You must make a choice. And you must do this. You must make the choice. And it doesn't have to be like with great umph. And it could just be a small prayer. God, help me not to waste my life. There could be more of you pulling right now that says, man, just do what you're doing, do what you're doing. But I believe that if you're saved, that if you're a child of God, that God is going to use the word, and no doubt he uses it when your pastor preaches, and he uses it when your youth pastor speaks to you, or whatever, and God nudges you, and there is a part of you, and I believe it is the Holy Spirit of God working in your heart, and you right now, and maybe at other times, you've realized, Man, I'm not doing right. That's wrong. That's destructive. And that's the Holy Spirit of God saying, give it up. Surrender it. Give it up. Acknowledge, acknowledge you're wrong. Acknowledge you're wrong. And I'm just telling you, you don't have to have everything figured out. But if you'll just simply say, oh God, I need your help. It's also possible that it's sitting in this room is someone who you might say, a lot of this stuff is, is new to me. There might be someone, I imagine with this many teenagers, there's someone in this room who's not saved. You have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Now, now if you're saved, don't just go, okay, he's going to go and present the gospel and, and tune me out. Uh, come on, the gospel is like the foundation of all that we need. So don't just tune me out here. And make sure we're not distracting people. But some of you in here, 
you're not saved. The Bible tells us, and we all need to be reminded of this, we're all, we're all guilty before God. The Bible says that we have all sinned. We, we've all come short of His glory and of His greatness. And because we've come short of His greatness, the Bible says this, that we all stand, the Bible uses this word, condemned. That we all stand condemned before God. And because of our sin, because of that, we are separated from God. And if we leave this world separated from God, the Bible tells us this, that there is a real place and a literal place called hell. A literal place called hell. That's the bad news. But the good news is this, and I experienced the good news, and I received the good news as a 17-year-old. And by the way, you can receive it when you're younger, and you can receive it when you're older, and you can even receive it even been going to church for a while. And everyone else thinks you've received the gift. But the good news is this. In fact, it's the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, good news, gospel means good news. And the good news is this, teenagers, that yes, you might have messed your life up. Yes, you've sinned. Yes, you're separated from God. But God loved you so much. And God cares about you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who lived on this earth and lived a perfect life. He was a real person. we got historical facts to back it up. He lived. He existed. And the Bible says this, that He paid for your sin, for my sin. That He died for all of man's sins. He died for every Lunkin. He died for all 1.4 billion Chinese people, and all 1.3 billion Indian people. And He died for people in Temecula. And he died for people in San Diego, and where are the churches that you're located? He died for you. He paid the price for your salvation. He, on his death, he died. The Bible says that he was buried. But then the good news is, and the reason why it's good news, he didn't stay dead. Amen. But three days later, the Bible says, he resurrected and came back to life by this conquering death, conquering sin. He is the conqueror. And through him, we can conquer sin, but only through Jesus Christ. That he died. It's what he did. And the Bible tells us this, that we then, because of Jesus Christ, he has extended to mankind, everyone in here, the opportunity to be saved, to have eternal life. And what that is, is this. God has given us eternal life. But the reason is, it's a free gift. But you must make really, I mean, you can boil it down different ways, but I would say this, two simple decisions. Jesus died, provides you eternal life. But the question is this, do you believe it? I mean, I could say, hey, Bernie, here's $1,000. It's for you. But then he's got to decide, well, is he just messing with me? Or is he really going to give me $1,000? Like, all right, Bernie, you come up here. Brother Bernie, you come up here. He's a pastor there at Canaan. I got $1,000 right here for you if you'll come up. And he has to make a decision. I'm saying it's a gift. I'm saying it's free. It's for him. But he's got to make a decision. Do I actually believe that poor missionary has $1,000 for me? <laughs> You know, he, he's got, well, so he says, well, I believe it. He also has to make another decision. Will he then receive the gift? Right. He can believe it and say, oh, yeah, absolutely. But he's got to say, well, I'm going to come up there and I'm actually going to grab it. And what I'm saying is this. Yes, the gift has been paid for you. Jesus died for you. Your sins, they can be covered. He's done everything you need. Yes, it's waiting for you. Yes, the gift of eternal life has your name on it. But you don't get it by default. You must believe it and receive it. You must believe it and receive it. We'll give you a time in a moment or later on to, to receive it. 
But you must receive it because you don't just get to heaven just by being a good person. You must accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And by the way, it's only then that you have the Spirit of God. By the way, it's only then that you would even understand what one life is all about, what we're talking about. Everything I said with, you might sound to me, that's the, that sounds cultish. Well, if you don't know Jesus, absolutely. But that's the good news. That's, that's the gospel. And finally, I, I think someone in here might say this, and I could imagine, this would have been me. If I heard this message as a youngster, I would have said this, or as a teenager. I would have said, um, excuse me, but I've already wasted my life. I've already messed up. Or you might say this, I am currently messing my life up. If I, if I was to be real honest, I wouldn't tell my pastor, I wouldn't tell my youth pastor, I wouldn't even tell you, but I know in my own mind, and the Holy Spirit of God is working in my heart right now, and I know, yeah, yeah, I'm wasting my life. Well, can I say this? You've not yet wasted your potential. You have not yet wasted your potential. Because every time you hear the Word of God, every time you hear the Gospel, you're at a crossroads in your life. And you've come to a point where, guess what? You're, you're, it's a blessing that you're not 80 years old hearing this message. For some of you, I don't mean to be mean, but you know your parents haven't done right, and they maybe regret a lot of things, but you're not as old as them. I don't mean to be harsh to anyone like that. But my mom regretted almost all of her life before she died several years ago. But even wherever you're at, you still have potential. Because guess what? You have opportunity that at any moment you can say this, I'm tired of wasting my life and I want to live for God. I don't want, I'm tired of just squandering away. I'm trying to spinning my wheels, but I want to do something great for God. I want to be used of God. Living for myself or living for Christ. And I'm saying the grace of God is available but here's the thing, you must today, you must, every time the word is preached, every time your selfish nature is exposed, every time that the Spirit of God works in your heart and says, you know what, yeah, you're not doing what you should, you must do this. You must make the choice to leave that life and say yes to the life that Christ wants for you. That, that's the decision that you have to make, is simply say, I don't want that life, I want to live for Christ, I want to live for Him. Because you will waste your life and you'll waste your potential when it is spent on yourself. We're not going to have a formal invitation, but I want to just give you a few things to think about while there's no distraction. So would you do this with me? Would you, would you bow your head, close your eyes, and I'm going to speak to you still kind of like a sermon, but just in the privacy and more of a thoughtful response at this point. We won't have a formal invitation, but because I did share the gospel... I want to give opportunity, if there is someone, let's do this, let's, let's bow our heads and eyes closed, let's, let's give privacy, because some might not want to respond because of what others think. You say, well, they sh it shouldn't matter. Well, we're, we're all have a fear of man, we all do, I have a fear of man too, so let's, let's have our eyes closed. I'm going to talk to the saved here in a moment, I really want to talk to the saved here in a moment. Let me talk to those, someone might in here, all heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to see, is there, is there anyone in here that says, when you shared the gospel, when you shared your story about your life and your salvation and you getting saved and, and you accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I have never believed nor received. I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I've never repented of my sin and placed my faith in Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. But I want to. If that's you, what I want you to do right now, I want you to look up at me. 
Is there anyone in this room that says, I, I want to receive Christ. You, you shared the gospel. We, we, we certainly would want, anyone that's not saved and wants to be saved, we would want to blow by that, amen? Is there anyone like that? I want you to look up at me. Anyone like that? Anyone look like that? If I can't see you, just, just wave at me. If you're looking up at me and I can't see you, wave at me. Is there anyone like that? Just wave at me. Just wave at me. I'll give you one more opportunity. Just, just look at me and wave at me. Okay, well, I'm going to assume then most of you in here know the Lord. Now, what I want you to do, I want you to stop. I want you to think and evaluate. Listen to me real carefully. I need you to be honest before God. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to make you confess anything to your parents or to your youth leaders. But I want you to think. The Spirit of God, no doubt, is working deeply in your own heart. I want you to think about this. And in your own mind about this question, I want you to answer this question in your mind. What is something currently in your life that if not dealt with would lead to a wasted and squandered life? I want to ask you again, just, just think on this. Be honest before God. Evaluate your life. What is something currently in your life that if not dealt with, would lead to a wasted and squandered life. I just listed some things here. There's many more. Is it drugs? Is it a friendship? Is it a toxic relationship? Maybe it's just apathy. You're just lazy. Is it alcohol? Pornography? Bitterness? Anger? What is something currently in your life that if not dealt with, would lead to a wasted and squandered life? Let me pray with you and the brother Christian will come. God, I pray that you'd help each and one of us to see from your word, see from the account here that we have great potential for you. There's also a great potential we may squander and waste our lives. My prayer, my desire would be for everyone in this room, everyone that was here, everyone that listened, that they would realize they waste their potential when they spend their life on themselves. Would you help them be honest with you and honest with themselves about what is currently potentially wasting their life? In Jesus' name I pray, amen.